All right, John chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 22 through 40 today. Just a little bit of setup before this. Um, just before this passage begins, um, Jesus has fed the 5,000, and then he has, uh, he, has, he and his disciples have, he's walked across the water and, and joined his disciples in the boat, and they've, they've gone across the sea. And this, this picks up kind of the next morning after, after those events. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread, who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up. On the last day, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's go to him once again and ask him for his help. Lord Jesus, you are the light of the world. And so, Lord, we ask that as people who who are born into darkness, people who are accustomed to the dark, we ask that your light would guide our path today. We ask that you would illumine this, this passage for us, that you would speak to us from it, that you would lead the way, Lord, as a good shepherd, that you would show us yourself, that you would reveal your grace and more of who you are to us from this passage. We thank you for, uh, thank you for all of your good gifts to us, and we thank you for this, and we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You know, when I was growing up, um, one of my, uh, one of fond memory I have growing up is kind of riding around the car with my, when my mom's driving, riding around town, and listening to Paul Harvey uh, on the radio. Um, and now, for you younger people, you know, may not be familiar with Paul Harvey, Paul Harvey's this old radio guy. Um, and he had this great radio voice, you know, and, and as a preacher, I'm always like jealous of good voices. When I hear a good voice, you know, you hear a good preacher or a good radio voice, like, man, I would kill to have that voice. Uh, Paul Harvey had a good, he had a good voice, a very warm voice. Anyway, Paul Harvey, he's kind of a newsman, journalist guy, but he also did this, the, he had this segment that he would do from time to time called um, The Rest of the Story. 
you know, and he would, he would, it was always like someone famous, like a person that you knew that you'd heard of, and this was before Wikipedia and the internet, you couldn't just look up someone's life, you know, um, and he would give you, usually he wouldn't tell you who this person was, but he would kind of give you this background information or tell you parts of their lives that you had never heard before, you know, details that really kind of shaped the way that you view, that you, you view them in a new way and kind of in a new light based on, you know, based on what Paul Harvey kind of shared with you about them. And it was, it was really fa- fascinating. I always, enjoyed, I always enjoyed Paul Harvey with my mom. Um, but when I look at John chapter 6, what we have here is, is sort of a rest of the story situation. Uh, we've all heard about the feeding of the 5,000. All the gospel writers tell the story. Um, it's, a, it's a story that if you grew up in the church, you've heard it many, many times. You were coloring it, you know, in, in Sunday school as a kid. Um, and so we're all very familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. What, what John tells us, which the other gospel writers don't, the other gospel writers you know, move on to the next thing, but what John tells us, he kind of gives us the rest of the story. What happened that night? Uh, what happened the next day? And, and that night we, we read in, earlier in John chapter 6 that, that the disciples headed to Capernaum in the boat. Jesus walks across the water. He meets them in the middle of the sea in the middle of the night. Um, and the next, and they, make it to, they make it to Capernaum, which is where they're headed. And then we see this story. Uh, it, the story takes a little bit of a darker turn um, because some of, the, some of the people who he had fed the day before, some of these crowds, they go out and they seek Jesus. They look for him again. And they get in these boats and they find him in Capernaum. Um, and we see sort of the rest of the story. Um, but we see that, that though this maybe has kind of a surprising ending, uh, we see that it provides Jesus with a great opportunity to tell us some very important things about himself, about who he is. Um, and so we see in this passage this morning a group of a hungry group of people, um, and it appears that much like much like we do sometimes they're hungry for the wrong things. And so we're going to look at this passage this morning and consider just a few things. First of all, we see our first point is that everyone is motivated by hunger. Uh, we're we're all motivated by hunger. We see a good picture of hunger in this passage this morning, right? As some of the people that he had fed the day before, they're they're looking for him. You know, they they had they'd eaten the, the bread and the fish the day before and now they are they've been watching Jesus closely. They notice that he didn't get in the boats with the disciples, but they don't know where he is. So they head back to Capernaum, which is actually makes sense because that was kind of Jesus's base of operations at this point in his ministry. So they head over to Capernaum and they're looking for him. And now keep in mind that these people had probably walked miles and miles to, to hear Jesus the day before. You know, they, they've probably slept outside and now they're, they're searching for him again. They're, they're going to great trouble, you know, from walking to hear him in the first place. Now they're, they're getting these boats, they're getting across the sea, they're trying to find him. They're going to a lot of trouble to look for him. Um, why would they do that? Well, Jesus himself tells us pretty immediately why they do that. If you look with me at verse 26, uh, they go to him and Jesus answered them, Truly, I truly, 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 I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So Jesus says, look, you've, you've come to me not because you, you saw something that you've never seen before, not because uh, you came to hear me, to hear my teaching, not because you love me, but you've come because you ate your fill of the loaves yesterday. Uh, you've come because you had a good meal and you're looking for more. You know, they're coming to him because they're hungry, because they want something. They believe that he can provide it, right? And remember, it was a, it was a pretty good meal that they had the day before. If you remember from the feeding of the 5,000 that everyone had eaten to their heart's content. They had all been full and satisfied. And then there were still 12 big baskets of, of leftovers that had been gathered after. Um, and so the people are looking, they're looking for some more food. They're looking for another meal. You know, people do a lot of, people, some people do a lot of crazy things for, for another meal. You know, I remember when, when I was a, a freshman in college, my very first semester on the college campus, you know, I remember one day seeing these, uh, there's people out on the campus kind of passing out flyers and, you know, had a 
little uh, clipboard or something. And this guy comes up to me, hey, man, you want a free Subway sandwich? Like, sure, yeah, who wouldn't want a free Subway sandwich? Well, all you got to do is just fill out this little credit card application, and you get a free Subway sandwich. I'll give you this coupon. So, all right, I'll do that. Here's all my personal information. Take it. Um, and so I go get my little coupon. I go eat my little, you know, six-inch Subway sandwich. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I start, you know, getting all this junk mail, and I get, like, a credit card in the mail, and I'm panicking because I'm 18 years old and a very bad manager of money, you know, at that time. I think I've gotten better thanks to my wife. You know, she's whipped me into shape a little bit. But uh, but at the time, I was very panicked, and, and, and so I had to call and make sure I kind of closed this account out. And then, you know, I kept getting junk mail for years after that, you know, from this company while I lived in the dorm. Um, and so all of that for what, like a $4 sandwich, you know, it was a lot of headaches and a lot of trouble um, for, for a free sandwich, you know. Um, but so people will do a lot of things, I guess, for, for, a, for a free meal, for something that for, for some food. Uh, but, you know, the truth is that we're I think just about everything we do is motivated by some kind of hunger um, and not just like a physical hunger, not just like sort of a hunger in our bellies, um, but a hunger in our hearts. I think a lot of the almost all the decisions that we make each and every day are motivated by various desires, various uh, longings that we have in our hearts. Um, we're doing something to get something, right? God has designed us to be people who think about the end. We think about the goals, right? We're very goal oriented. We do something, you know, to get something out of it, to get something in return, um, you know. And so everything we do, I think, is motivated by these desires, motivated by trying to get something we want. And a lot of teenagers in here may be arguing with me in their head right now, like. I have to do all kinds of stuff I don't like to do. You know, I have to take out the trash, and I hate taking out the trash. But you're still, when you're taking out the trash, you're still doing something you desire because you're, you would rather take out the trash than get in trouble, okay? So you're still being motivated by your desire. So everything we do is motivated by some kind of goal, motivated by some kind of desire, some sort of longing that we have. Um, God has created us that way. Um, and this is why we do the things that we do. We're propelled by our desires, propelled by our, our hungers, our longings. Um, you know, we want our kids to turn out a certain way, and that affects the way that we parent, right? We, we have certain career goals in mind, and so that affects the way that we behave at work. It affects the way that we view our job. It gives us these uh, longings, right? Longings for our career, longings for our children, for our family. We have certain ideas. We want things to turn out a certain way. You know, you want to be better at golf or better at hunting or better at knitting. Uh, and so, you, you know, you, you live your life in a way that reflects that. You, you spend time doing those things. Um, so we're, we're constantly motivated by our desires, by, by these things. But what we're really looking for, at the, at the end of the day, if we get to the very end of that, we have these ultimate desires, right? We have these things that kind of govern our, our big life decisions, um, these kind of ultimate longings that we have. And I think what we're all really looking for is satisfaction, uh, we're all really looking for, for joy, for, for, for comfort, for peace. Uh, we're ultimately hungering and thirsting for things that will, will, give us, will leave us satisfied in the midst of this dark and broken world. Um, God has placed, us, that, placed that hunger inside of us. He's created us that way. So let me just ask you this morning. What, what, is, what, are, the, what are your desires this morning? What, what are the things that are motivating you this morning? Um, what are the things that you're longing and hungering for above all else? Um, what are the ultimate desires and goals which are informing and governing all the other decisions that you make? Uh, those are important questions for us to ask. So we're, we're all motivated by hunger, motivated by these desires. But there's a problem, and that problem is our second point, that sometimes we, we hunger for the wrong things. Sometimes our hunger, uh, we, our hunger is misplaced or misguided. And we see that back in, in John chapter 6. Why did these people come to him? They came because they wanted some food, because they wanted some bread. Um, they, you know, we quickly learned that they came to him for the wrong reasons. 
Um, and he, Jesus even encourages them to hunger for something better, to pursue something that doesn't perish so quickly, but to pursue something that will, that will satisfy them eternally. Look with me back at verse 27. Jesus says, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endure, endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So, so they've come to the right person, right? They, they've come to the right place. If there's ever a, a, the right place to go, it's to Jesus. If there's ever the right person to seek out, it's Jesus. And they go to him, but they come for the wrong reasons. They come seeking a physical bread. They come seeking a meal. Um, and that now they, they get, you can, you know, they, they um, excuse me. This conversation that they have with Jesus is, is, it's sad, it's tragic, but it's also a little bit funny, right? It's also, I mean, they come and it, you kind of get the sense that they feel like they're being sly. They feel like they're kind of being uh, smooth here, but it's just painfully obvious what they want. Look with me uh, back at verse, uh, at verse 28. So Jesus, they're, they're coming for food, and he says, look, don't, don't go for what perishes so quickly, but go for what the food that will never, uh, that will always satisfy you. And so they say in verse 28, And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. And this is not what they wanted to hear, right? They're, they're, they're wanting to get some food. They're wanting to get something to eat. And Jesus starts talking about faith. He starts talking about belief. He starts talking about believing in himself, right? You need to believe in me. You need to trust in me. You know, and so they kind of steer the conversation back in a very sort of obvious, painfully obvious way. They try to steer the conversation back uh, to getting what they want. Look with me at verse 30. So they said to him, Well, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so this is sort of funny because they're saying, Jesus is saying, look, look, stop thinking about the food for a minute and you need to think about me. You need to trust in me. You need to I can give you something that will satisfy you forever, much more than the bread that you're seeking. And they say, okay, yeah, believe in you. Well, okay, well, let's, we want to do that. So what, what sign are you going to do so that we can believe in you? Uh, and you, you, know, you can also almost see them like uh, as if they're pulling this out of thin air, like, uh, what sign are you going to do? Hey, here's an idea. You know, Moses, uh, a long time ago, he, he gave them manna in the wilderness. You know, remember that? The manna that they ate back then? Maybe you could, maybe you could give us some manna. Maybe you could do that sign. And when you do that sign, then we'll believe in you. Then, then we'll trust in you, Jesus. Um, do this sign for us, and then we'll, then we'll believe in you. Um, it's just painfully obvious what they're after. You know, that, that, that although Jesus is trying to steer them back away from physical food and toward himself, it's just obvious that they, they just aren't getting it. You can almost picture Jesus kind of shaking his head at this, you know, at this, uh, this terrible sort of... Uh, uh, slyness that they think they're trying to get away with because they, they just aren't getting the point. Um, they're going to, it's just really tragic if you think about it, that they're going to Jesus and they're asking for bread. They're asking for food. They're coming to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and they're, they're asking for some lunch. You know, they're, they're going to the Savior and Redeemer of God's people. They're going to the way, the truth, and the life and they're hoping to, to get uh, some bread and some fish. They just don't realize how short they're selling themselves. They don't realize, they don't understand who they're talking to. They don't understand what is available, what Jesus could provide with them, provide them with, what he could give them. You know, uh, when I was 16, my, my mom, she finished her, uh, she, she finished like her master's degree. And so my, my family, we took like a little, uh, a cruise. You know, it's the only time we've ever done anything like that. We took a cruise kind of to celebrate uh, with my mom. And, um, you know, we, we went to, uh, so we're out on the waters, and, and part of the 
cruise package, I guess, was like at night you get to go in this like fancy dining room, okay, and, and they have all this like really exotic fancy food. And for a you know a boy from a small town in West Tennessee, it was shocking, um, you know, to have like calamari. And uh, you know, one night I ordered like some salmon. I was like, hey, there's a there's a word I can pronounce on the menu. I'll order that, you know, salmon. And it comes, it was like raw salmon, you know, like twisted like in the form like these thin strips, twisted like in the form of a rose or something. It was really strange, but it was good. You know, I was trying I was trying to live adventurously. I, I tried it and I ate the calamari and you know ate the ate the the salmon rose thing um but you know it was fun because it was i mean i just never had i'd never been around food like that i'd never had the opportunity to you know eat exotic things like that and so it was kind of fun to try that but i remember you know sitting in the 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 this dining room this fancy dining room and looking around at some of the other tables and you could see some of the kids at these other tables you know a little younger than me kind of turning their nose up at the at the food, there's this kind of rich and exotic food, and they're you know uh, we're, don't I don't want any of this stuff. Um, where's the chicken fingers? Where's the French fries? Um, and uh, you, you know it, it's almost like that. When I read this passage, it's almost like that. Like as if these people have as, it's as if people have gone into this very fancy you know wonderful restaurant with this rich and exotic food, and they're looking around and they're like, where's the chicken fingers? Where's the French fries? You know, I don't want any of this stuff. Um, I don't want this good stuff. I want, I want, the, I want the chicken fingers. Um, I want the kids' menu. Where, where's that? Um, you know, these people have come to Jesus. They come to the Savior of the world, and they're saying, give us some bread to eat. You know, we really want some bread. You know, it'll satisfy for a few hours. Maybe satisfy us for the night, but give us some bread. Um, they've sold themselves so short. But we do this very same thing, don't we, right? We, we come to Jesus often uh, for the wrong reasons. You know, we go to Jesus uh, for what he can give us sometimes, for what he can provide us with. You know, we view Jesus sometimes, uh, if we're really honest with ourselves, we view Jesus as maybe kind of like a magic genie or as like a, a lucky charm. As, you know, as long as I'm in good, then he'll bless me. He'll give me good gifts. He'll give me the things I want. Um, he'll, he'll take care of me. He'll give me what I need. Um, and we're, we end up focusing more on the gifts than on the giver, than on Jesus. Uh, it's, it's tempting for us to do that sometimes. Or sometimes we hunger and thirst for things that are outside of Jesus altogether. Sometimes we build our lives, you know, perhaps around our career. We build our lives around our children or build our lives around our possessions or, or, or whatever it may be, our, our hopes and dreams. Uh, we build our lives around these things. We wrap our lives around these things um, and make that the most important thing in our life. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it doesn't satisfy. We're, we're looking for the joy and satisfaction that only Christ can provide. We're looking for it in other stuff. You know, I was just reading a book this week that, uh, which I, I, it was memorable because it was kind of a funny phrase. This, this guy said that, it was a Christian book, and this guy was talking about, you know, human beings. And he said that God has made each one of us with a love pump inside of us, right? There's this, which is, he described as the ability and the desire to love, right? This little pump that creates love and that we want, we have the ability to love and we want to love, Right? But unfortunately, because of the fall, because we're fallen, because we're sinful, because we're sinners, our love pump is broken, right? Our love pump, it, it loves the wrong things sometimes. Or our love pump, it might love the right things, but it loves them too much. You know, it loves, it loves good things like our kids, but it loves them more than it loves Jesus. Or it loves good things like work, but it loves them work more than it loves God. Um, and, you know, I think, I think, that's, I think there's, that's a really memorable image for me, that this, this love pump that's inside of us, that kind of is broken, <laughs> Uh, that's, that's loving the wrong things, that's striving after the wrong things. You know, and sometimes I think, you know, I think sometimes this is the source of some, some depression and anxiety in some of us. And I'll be very careful here because I don't want to, um, I don't want to be reductionistic. I don't want to say that, that um, you, know, all, you know, the human mind is a very complex thing. Human emotions are very, very complex. 
there are many, many things that can cause depression and anxiety in our lives, okay? So I don't want to oversimplify things here. But I think many times in our lives, I mean, I know in my life and, and uh, in the Christian life, you know, it's not uncommon for us to go through periods of depression, periods of anxiety. And I think oftentimes the reason that is is because our, our broken love pump um, is, is making love in the wrong way. It's, 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 it's hooked onto something wrong. Um, you know, depression, I think, often comes for the Christian um, because we've, we've wrapped our life around something that's not Jesus. We've, we've wrapped our life around something that just doesn't satisfy. And we've poured energy, we've poured time into this thing, and it just drains us. You know, it doesn't replenish us. It doesn't refresh us. It just drains us. It just makes us weary. Um, it, 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 we thought it would satisfy, and it doesn't satisfy like we imagined it would. And sometimes anxiety, I think, comes about because we, we love something more than we love Jesus. We, we set our, our love pump, gets hooked onto something more than Jesus, and, and we get a, we're afraid of losing that thing. You know, we're afraid of what the future might hold. We're afraid that when life storms hit us, that, that God won't be there. Uh, that he won't protect us, that he won't uh, be there uh, when things get bad. In both cases, I think we're, we're deeply hungry for something. We're deeply hungry for satisfaction. Um, maybe we're just looking in the wrong places for it. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to satisfy our hunger pains in things that are not the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's good news in our passage this morning, and that's our, our third point, that is that Jesus can satisfy us. That Jesus can satisfy those deep hunger pains that we have in our hearts. Uh, that, that thirst that we have um, for satisfaction, Jesus can satisfy that. Look with me at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And so Jesus has been, has been sort of hinting to these people, like, look, look, you know, trying to steer them away from the food and to himself. And he finally comes out and just says it point blank. Look, I am the bread of life. I am the thing that you really need. I am the thing that you are really searching for. Listen to me. I am the bread that gives life, and I am the bread that sustains life, okay? You don't need this, this other bread as much as you need me. Um, he, he is the bread that will satisfy forever, he is telling them. And he follows this claim up with a promise. He says, it's a big promise too. He says, whoever comes to me, whoever believes in me, shall not hunger shall not thirst that that deep longing that deep desire that we have to be satisfied that deep desire for peace and for joy uh, that deep desire to have meaning and value in our lives jesus says i can satisfy it and the person who rests in me the person who looks to me for their satisfaction will never come up empty-handed you know shalane and i one of the things one of our guilty pleasures well i guess it's not we don't have any guilt about our pleasures but i guess one of the things that we like to do is we love to watch cooking shows okay we love to watch cooking television and and i don't know i don't know why but we're like addicted to it and so you know i remember a few years ago there's a show that we used to watch a lot um i just don't see it anymore but it was a show called tyler's ultimate okay it was on food network i think and it was this guy the chef tyler florence and he, his show is kind of like a manly cooking show so i felt good about watching it uh, and in Tyler's ultimate, he would kind of have, uh, you know, he, he would do like kind of one dish every week, but it would be like, you know, the ultimate uh, spaghetti and meatballs, you know, the ultimate hamburger, uh, which actually we, our burger recipe is still Tyler's ultimate burger, uh, you know, the ultimate uh, barbecue chicken or whatever. Um, and kind of the claim that he was making, what the, what the point of the show was, he's saying like, look, here is the, this is like the only recipe that you'll ever need for spaghetti and meatballs, right? It's so good. You'll never get tired of it. This is the only uh, burger recipe you'll ever need. You know, it's the ultimate burger. It's got everything. You know, everything, when you think of a burger, this is it. It's got it. Um, 
And so he's saying, this is the best. It's the only one you'll ever need. And that's what, what Jesus is saying to this crowd in John 6, and what he's saying to us today is that he is the ultimate bread. He's saying, look, I am the ultimate bread. I'm the only one that you'll ever need. I'm the one that, that will satisfy you forever. You will never need to look for a replacement. He satisfies for life. You know, and we, uh, if, if you remember in our, our call to worship this morning, we, we kind of saw one of my favorite chapters of the whole Bible, Psalm 34. Um, and we, we read this back in, in that passage. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. Those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The young, the young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. A beautiful promise from Scripture. So why is Jesus so satisfying? Very, very quickly, I want us to look. This passage gives us a few things. Why is Jesus so satisfying? Why is he more satisfying than the other things that we look to, satisfy, look to, to satisfy us? Which is a couple things really quick. Number one, Jesus is, is more he's, he's satisfying because he's gracious. Look back at verse 28 and 29. When they're asking him, you know, Jesus says, Believe in him who God sent. And they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they're saying, Okay, what what do we have to do, God? What do we have to do, Jesus? What do we have to do to get this great bread that you're telling us about? What do we have to do to find this satisfaction? How how do we earn it? How do we work for this thing? What, What do we need to do? And Jesus says, Look, basically, he says, You can't earn it. What you have to do is believe. You, you have to rest in Jesus. You have to look to me. That, that is what you have to do. Uh, there's no work that you can, there's no amount of work that you could do to get this. You can't earn your spot at this table. You have to rest. You have to trust. It comes by grace. You know, we read about that grace in, our, in Isaiah 55 this morning, right? As God says through the prophet Isaiah, you who have no money, you know, you have no money, come buy and eat. It is, it is based on grace. It's not based on our works. It's not based on our performance. God invites us to himself through his grace, through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He invites us to rest in Jesus, to cling to Jesus. Number two, so first, he's satisfying because he's gracious. Second, he's satisfying because he accepts and embraces sinners. Look with me at verse 37. We see this. Jesus says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You know, Jesus is freely inviting sinners to come to him. And he promises that those who come to him, he will never, he will never cast out. He will never reject. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, if we were to like sit around here and talk about what our greatest fears were, you know, we would start by saying, you know, spiders uh, and snakes and fire and stuff. Like, you know, we start with those kind of things. But I think if we really started digging deep, like what are you afraid of? What, what is the thing you're afraid of? I think all of us would probably end like at the same place. You know, afraid of being abandoned and rejected and cast away by the people in this life that we love the most. You know, afraid of being truly rejected by the people that you care about and love the most. That, that would be, I think, near the top of all of our greatest fear. But this, this promise in the Bible, I think, answers that so beautifully. That Jesus, we never have to fear that he'll reject us. We never have to fear that he will cast us aside, that he will cast us away. Here, here's why Jesus is more satisfying than all the other things that we try to find satisfaction in. Because, you see, Jesus was rejected for you so that you could be accepted. Jesus was cast out for you and me so that we could be accepted into the family of God, so that we could be embraced. 
Jesus suffered and died for sinners just like you and me. You know, your career will never suffer and die for you. Uh, your possessions will never suffer and die for you. Your, even the person in this life who loves you the most does not have the ability to, to die for your sins. But Jesus has done that. He has suffered and died for your sins. He will never cast you out or reject you. Um, but he, it's through him that we are accepted, through him that we have access to God. And the final thing, just from this passage briefly, the final reason that Jesus is so satisfying is because Jesus satisfies forever. Look at verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus promises that those who are satisfied in him will be satisfied forever. That everything else in this world is temporary. Everything else in this world has an expiration date. But Jesus does not. But Jesus provides a satisfaction that can never be taken away. He provides a joy that will never end. He provides a peace uh, that, will never, that is everlasting. He provides us with freedom that can be ours forever. Uh, that, that, that is a beautiful truth. That is, that is something that, that it's hard for us even to imagine because everything we know of, everything we know in this life, everything we can see and touch is temporary. It's hard for us even to imagine something that is forever. But Jesus promises that he will satisfy forever. That's why he is so satisfying. As I said earlier, this is one of the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, this is the first one. And, and uh, Jesus, in the, in, the, in the seven I am statements, there's usually kind of a formula it, it follows, right? First, Jesus makes this really, really bold claim. You know, he'll say, I am the bread of life, or I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and life. Um, I, am the, I am the good shepherd. He makes this bold claim. But then he follows it up with a bold promise. And so we see that in this passage as well. Back in, in verse 35, when he makes the bold claim, I am the bread of life, he follows it up with a bold promise. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is saying that he is the bread of life, that there is no satisfaction apart from him. There is no true comfort or peace or joy apart from him. That those who come to him and who rest in him will never hunger or thirst. So whether you whether you're hearing the gospel for the first time today or whether you've heard whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, Jesus is calling us to the same thing. He's calling us to come to him and be satisfied. He's calling us to come again and and lay ourselves at his feet uh, to worship, to to uh, throw ourselves at him. Uh, Lord, we know as the old hymn writer says, we know that we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. So we are called again and again to continually repent and turn again to Jesus, to come back and rest in him, to come back and look to him. And this passage tells us that there are only two ways that we can respond to this message. Look with me. We'll look at the very end of the chapter, at verse, starting in verse 66. And Jesus, this conversation last, the conversation that they're having lasts for a little while. I wish we could look at all of it today. It was just a really long conversation. This conversation lasts a while. And at the very end of the conversation, uh, that Jesus has with this crowd. Here's how it ends, starting in verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There are only two possible responses to Jesus when he makes such a bold claim. We can reject him and walk away from him, or we can cling to him. We can see him as the only one who has words of eternal life, the only, the only one who can save us, the only one who is the redeemer of God's people. 
So today, realize that there is no life away from Christ. Realize that there is no satisfaction without Him. Rest in Him today. Receive this bread of life and be satisfied. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we confess that we are a hungry people, uh, that that you have created us uh, to be hungry. You've created us to long for satisfaction. Lord, we know that we confess that often we we look in all other places for that to to be satisfied. We look at other things and and other people to satisfy us in, in a way that only you can satisfy us. So Lord, help us to feed on Christ today. Help us to see him as the bread of life, to see him as the bread that satisfies, for, 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 satisfies forever. And help us to enjoy that. Help us to know true peace and true satisfaction this very day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.